Thank you for tuning into Destiny House Church as we seek to draw closer to Jesus. We're so glad you've joined us today. Please enjoy this message by Pastor Court or one of the other anointed speakers as we pursue the Father's heart. this morning. This time last year, I I really, and I feel the same way this year, but this time last year, I wondered if we would make it to this Easter. 
I still believe things are imminent. I still believe that the Lord's return is imminent. So I want us to take uh, these next few minutes in the short service this morning to just remember, you know, we're not here for Easter eggs or bunnies or a holiday, but we are here because our Father sent His Son to die for us so that we can be the redeemed of the Lamb. Amen? Amen. <clears throat> On the cross, the God of in the beginning said, it is finished. On the cross, the serpent that deceived the first Adam was defeated by the second Adam. On the cross, the son of David decapitated the Goliath of sin. On the cross, we escaped the Egypt of eternal condemnation and stepped into promise of eternal salvation. On the cross, the walls of failure collapsed in the presence of the shout of forgiveness. On the cross, mercy triumphed over judgment. On the cross, perfect love expelled all fear. On the cross, grace became sufficient. On the cross, light overcame darkness. On the cross, and the anointing destroyed the yoke. On the cross, Truth set us free. On the cross, hope made a way. On the cross, life became eternal. On the cross, and listen, haters in the world, love won. On the cross, his stripes healed us. On the cross, his wounds forgave us. 1 Corinthians 1.18 says, To preach the message of the cross seems like sheer nonsense. To those who are on their way to destruction, but to us who are being saved, it is the mighty power of God released with us. Come on, can we give the Lord a hand again this morning? You know, I'm going to be very brief this morning because I, I know we've got many visitors today. I'm so grateful that you're here today. Some of you have maybe met before, some of you have not ever met before, but I want to, um, I'm not going to preach long, but I'm also not going to go easy on you this morning. Um, if I went easy on you this morning, then I would be missing an opportunity uh, to tell you um, the juncture that we are at in America, the juncture that we are at in our culture, our society as a world, and that Juncture is simply stated in what I said three or four minutes ago that the return of Christ is imminent. Yeah. I want you to look at the horizon of what this world looks like right now. I want you to look and see how people are behaving, how people that title themselves as Christians are behaving, how the church is behaving. But I want you to know today we're not here for behavior management. We're here to be changed by the blood of the Lamb. That's the only thing that changes anybody. <clears throat> Just over 200 years ago, in the book of Isaiah, the Holy Spirit gave a word to the prophet. And the word is, and you guys know it well in 53.5, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. 
The chastisement for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. You know, it's amazing that we forget so easily throughout the year the essentials of what being a disciple of Christ really means. And one of the essentials here that we can learn this morning is when it says that he was wounded for our transgressions, the, the transgressions is the act of sin that you and I do. The, 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 the things that we say and the deeds that we commit that are, that are out of line in the presence of God. Jesus died for those transgressions. And when it says bruise for iniquities, how many of you know that Jesus just did not die just for your, your outward bleeding wounds on the outside? He also died for all the internal bruising, for all the internal bleeding that we go through as a people living on this fallen earth. Whether you're a Christian today or maybe you're sitting here today and you're not a Christian, I want you to know that Jesus died for your transgressions and he died for your iniquities. Jesus for many of us, we've got to remember that Jesus wants to address and deal with the habitual sin that still remains in your life, maybe in my life, maybe in the life of your family. God, God is not here today to shame anybody. God is here today to remind you and I that his love covers Sin. That his love and his blood is so pure and it's so perfect and it's so divine and it's so filled with passion and integrity that it covers all of your iniquity and all of your transgressions. Amen. You guys probably know this already, but for those that don't, there came a time. In Jesus' life before he died from this planet and was resurrected on this Sunday. Now we know that the, the calendar is not exactly what we say it is in America, whether we're talking about Christmas or Easter. But one thing we know for sure is starting at about 9 a.m., Jesus began the process of going through one of the most difficult and, and blood-suffering agonies that's ever been created by man. For instance, we know that Jesus was whipped and beaten with what's called a cat of nine tails. And this, uh, I didn't get a picture of it today, but essentially you've got a four-foot piece of wood And in that four, at the end of that four-foot piece of wood, you've got nine pieces of leather straps. And on those leather straps, you've got pieces of, of glass, and you've got pieces of bone, and you've got pieces of metal, and you also have pieces of, 
of smooth metal in order to make the weight heavy enough for the whip to be effective. And when Jesus was, was getting ready for the preparation leading up to going to Golgotha, going to Calvary, to and by the way, nobody murdered Jesus. Jesus laid his life down for us. And so you've got this cat of nine tails and, and this whipping, these 39 stripes were administered by, you know, a, a person that was highly educated. This wasn't a, a, a brute force scenario, even though it was extremely brutal. It was very mathematical. There was a formula on how Jesus was led to Calvary and gave up his life. And the soldier, this, this high-ranking soldier, would, would dip this cat of nine tails, these nine pieces of leather, in, in some type of, of bucket of water in order for the leather to soak up the water. And they did that every now and then to keep the weight heavy so that when it lashed his back and his sides, it would be effective for the pulling away of flesh and tendons and everything that was going to make it harder for him when he got on the cross to lift himself up by his heels, to lift himself up on those spikes, to be able to take a breath. And I want you to know that when Jesus received those 39 stripes, he received 13 stripes on his left side. And then he received in this formula... 13 stripes on his right side. And then to cap it off, they gave him 13 stripes on his back at the top of his shoulders. So that when he was put on the cross, being asphyxiated to death, he would have to use those nerve endings and those tendons in order just to take a single breath. He did that all for us. He did that all for us. All to remind us on this day that he only needed to do it one time. That none of you can say that your sin is bigger and greater than anybody else in here. Because Jesus died for all people and all sin. And then we see a time, something that Jesus had never experienced. And this is the most difficult part about what happened at Calvary. And I want you just to listen to this. I've got 10 more minutes that I'm going to speak. When Jesus was on that cross, there was a moment in time that he had never experienced before in his mortal life, and of course, all the eternal life that he had already lived. We believe in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. They have always been the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And Jesus 
The reason why Jesus said, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That question came at a point when Jesus experienced God looking away. God pulling his face away because God can't look at sin that way. And so his father, essentially in a moment and in and, and the twinkling of an eye, he, he abandoned his son. He looked away. Because at that very moment, Jesus was bearing all of my sins and all of your sins and every sin created in the history of the world. He was taking that on and he had to do it as the son of God for our redemption. And God had to look away. Did you know that God now never has to look away again? Because when he looks at you and me, if, if we are in Christ, if we have a blood-bought new covenant relationship with Jesus, if, then when he looks at you, he looks at your life, he sees the blood of his son. And he says, You're welcome to the full inheritance of who I am as your father. Lacking nothing. Lacking nothing. God gives us every single thing that we need. Not every single thing that we want. But he gives us every single thing that we need in him. And finally... I want to just focus in on one quick area this morning. And I know many churches right now are preaching and pastors are preaching about the stone being rolled away. Well, we know that. They're preaching about the women seeing Jesus gone. We know that too. We know a lot of things that happen. I want to focus very quickly I want to go back in time just a little bit, just a few days before this day of celebration, this day of resurrection today. I want to go to the moment in time before what I just described to you of Jesus having that agonizing dialogue with his father with no response. When we go back, maybe just 30 or 40 minutes of him closing in to death's door, what the world would think, what Satan would think is the end of this Nazarene. And he is surrounded by one man to the left of him and one to the right of him. He's got two robbers, two thieves, murderers. We don't have a lot of dialogue in the Bible, but what we do have, I want to read to you real quickly in Luke chapter 23, verse 39. 
than one of the criminals who were hanged blasphemed him, saying, If you are the Christ, save yourself and us. But the other answering rebuked him, saying, Do you not even fear God, seeing you are under the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds, the fruit of our lives. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said to Jesus, Lord, says, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, Surely I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Let me point something out. There was no church membership involved. This guy didn't know what a pastor was, an apostle was, a preacher was. He didn't know the difference probably between a donkey and a horse. He didn't know the doctrine of grace. He didn't know the tenets of the assemblies of God. He didn't have friends that were followers of Christ. He never attended a church service. But it just so happened... But on this day, he ended up next to the Savior of the world. Every person in here represents one of these two thieves. Whether you are still the thief that is, that is internally mocking God. Or you're the thief that says, you know what? This guy next to me is barely breathing. He's being completely starved of oxygen. We deserve this and his reaction and his fruit to this is something I've never seen before. And this thief, I wonder what happened when... when this thief got to heaven. And one of the angels walked up to this thief and said, Excuse me, sir, how did you get in here? Uh, I don't know. The guy on the middle cross said I could get in today. Did you know that the guy on the cross wants you to get in today? Did you know that when we confess with our mouth and we believe in our heart that Jesus is the true Christ and we ask forgiveness of ours in a, in a sincere, faithful, honorable manner, sincerely, not religiously? I wonder how many people in here think that God is pleased with you today just because you came to church on Easter. He's not. I know that probably is an offensive thing for me to say. And I'd love for you to come back to Destiny House and maybe make this 
your home, but I believe we need to clear some things up first. The first thing we need to clear up is no one in here gets entrance to the kingdom of God because you think you're a good person. No one in here gets entrance to the kingdom of God because you've attended church today. Or that you attend church all the time. Entrance into the kingdom of God is simply what we see right here with this man. A man that had never been in a Bible study in his life. A man that doesn't understand the dispensation of grace. But he got in because he believed. And Jesus says, I'll take you too. You're going to be an example of just how much I've done to give you salvation today. And before I'm even resurrected, I have the power to say to you, you're in. It undoes all of our ridiculous man-made theology. When I worked in end-of-life care and I dealt with death, every single day, at some point in the week, somebody, whether it was somebody on the staff or maybe a family member, but somebody would always say, you know what? They lived horrible their whole life. Court. There's no way that they're going to give their life to Jesus just before they die. And 10 years of me doing that, I had hundreds of people, Jewish people, and atheists, and Muslims, and Baptists, and Assembly of God people, and Pentecostal people, and Methodist people. And Catholic people that did not have a relationship with Jesus. And in an instant before they died, they gave their life to Jesus. Some that gave their life to Jesus had mere minutes. Mere minutes. And I believe that each and every one of those that was sincere... And coming to Jesus has been in heaven quite a long time already. We see in about six weeks from now that we have a day coming that's called the day of Pentecost as described in the book of Acts. Six weeks from now, on May 28th, We celebrate an amazing thing that occurred where the power of the Holy Ghost came. Jesus has already spent much time after his resurrection being seen by thousands of people. You don't even have to read your Bible. You can go find historical facts proving that this carpenter from Nazareth was walking the earth after he had died. It's amazing to me that as Christians, we forget so easily through life's 
struggles and failures and pain and suffering, we forget that all we got to do is cling on to the man that died for us. You should say amen on that. Mama's on the stage. Leave her alone. (laughs) Pastor's kids, you know, you never know what they're going to do. And so I want to just say this to you guys in, in, in closing this morning before we have a very vital and important time of communion together as a family. And I ask this question, and I know, I know so many people are, are really tired of hearing this question. Because many people view it as a, a, a scare tactic. And I would agree with those people. It is a scare tactic. Because if you do not have a relationship with Jesus today, that means that if you die tomorrow, you have lost your opportunity to have an eternity with the Savior that died for you. People in America right now have come up with so many different ways and so many books and so many techniques and theologies and doctrines on on all these different roads that will lead you to peace with God. But all of that is a lie except one. There is only one way to the Father, and that has to go through the Son. Amen. The prophet Joel delivers a, a warning to the people of Judah, but his message transcends his time and speaks to our time now. And he says this, you guys have know this well in Joel 2, 28 to 32. It's also mentioned in Acts 2, 14 to 21. Peter also quotes it as well. And he says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams and your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. Now listen to this. Here is such good news. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Amen. Amen. So here's that scare tactic question. How much time do you actually believe that you have? How much time do you actually believe that you have to keep living a life away from God? I look at people today, many, many folks in here I know well. Some of you have been saved less than a year. Some of you have been saved for 50 years. Let me say it differently. Some of you have had a relationship with Jesus for a year. Some of you have had a relationship with Jesus for 40 or 50, 60 years. But there's others in here that don't have a relationship with God at all. They they believe in God. They believe what grandma taught. 
They have a foundation of, of maybe even a biblical foundation of, of who God is. But I'm going to tell you, knowledge does not save you. Your mama's prayers do not save you. What saves you is you saying yes to the Savior that died for you. And before we take another step towards communion, because the Bible tells us that in order for a person to even take communion, they, they need to be a Christian. They need to be a believer. And not only that, the, the, even if they're a believer, they need, to, they need to examine themselves before God. Praise team, if you guys will play something for me, I want us to go into this area right now of, of answering that difficult, scary question. Are you ready to die today if God calls you? Are you ready? I mean, are you, are you really, really ready? I'm not, listen, I'm, I'm up here begging you. Begging you to think right now. Close your eyes for me. I'm begging you to think right now about what you really have in Christ. Do you really, truly know Him? Or do you just know about Him? I've got people in my life that know about me, whether it's good, bad, or ugly. They, they have an interpretation about me, but they don't even know me. You can think you know something and have no relationship with that something, that person. You can think you know all about somebody and have no... I know married couples that know each other, but they have no true relationship with each other. They're two ships passing in the night. And, and, and I give you that example because the Lord gives us marriage as an example so many times in the Word of God. And if I could yell properly with my voice back, I would be yelling, begging you right now to come to Christ on this Easter morning and start fresh in Him. How much time do you believe you have left? How much time do you think that you can play around in your sin and there not be the judgment seat of God that you have to face? I'm begging you today. I don't care if you go to church. I don't care right now if you read your Bible. I don't care if you pray today. I don't care if you tithe. I don't care if you give. I don't care if you did anything today. What I care about and I know what is dearest to God right now is will you start fresh and new in Jesus? Maybe you're a person that you gave your life. And y'all can look up at me again. I'm sorry. I'm, some of you fell asleep just then. God bless you. God bless you. You're the ones I'm talking about that need Jesus. Okay. You're like, Lord, let him just keep praying. I'm getting a good nap. Hallelujah. 
Oh, yes, Lord. Everybody's got to make this choice. Now, the Bible tells us that every knee is going to bow before Jesus. There's so many in here today. I'm so excited because there's so many in here today that I don't know. I want to get to know you. But more than getting to know me and me getting to know, I really want you to get to know the Jesus that I know. I want you to get to know the Jesus that, that gave me salvation when I was 15 years old. I was the first person that accepted Jesus in my family. And man, it's been so good. It's been serving God, whether I was in the ministry or out of full-time ministry. It's been so God great to see the love of God move through alcoholics and crack addicts and prostitutes and church folk and the homeless. I've been able to see so much people that, that were actively dying. Teenagers that never got to go to prom. We were able to, to do proms for them just before they died. I've been able to, to see and be around many moves of God and see miracles. And I know so many people are attracted to a leg growing out. Man, that's awesome. I want to see that too. But every single day, I'm going to choose that God will present and show people coming back to Him, salvations in Him, way before I want to see a leg grow out. How many of you know you can be healed of an affliction by God and still go to hell? Because your healing is not an indicator that you're saved. The indicator that you're saved is that you are walking in Jesus daily. That when you sin and you make a mistake, there is a conviction on the inside of you, which is the empowerment of the Spirit of God that says, Court, you can't do that. You can't look at that. You can't live like that anymore. You need to repent right now. The heart of the Christian is a life of repenting to God and saying, Jesus, I made, I made an awful mistake today. There's no shame in this room today. This, this day, really no day, in Christ, shame does not exist. Condemnation does not exist. I'm going to say it again, and then I'm going to land the plane. You guys aren't so bad that Jesus will not accept you right now, today, in this moment. I'm going to ask you guys to stand with me just a couple of minutes, and then I'm going to have you be seated again. And then we'll stand up and be seated a few more times after that, just, just to make you feel comfortable. With every eye open and every head raised, I want to ask you a question. 
Do you really know the Lamb? Do you really know the Jesus that died for you? Do you really know him? I'm going to say it a few more times. Because I want you to ask yourself this question. Do you really have a relationship in here? This goes for every person that believes they know nothing. And every person in this room that believes or has complete 100% knowledge of the Bible. You're included in this too, no matter what your title or your position is. How many of you believe right now there are pastors preaching about salvation right now in pulpits around the world that are preaching what people need to hear, but they themselves don't even have a relationship with God. It seems so far-fetched, but the Bible says in the last days that even the elect will be deceived by such things as false doctrine and sorcery, new ageism, progressive Christianity. The progressive church right now says, hey, if you want to get an abortion, that's okay. We're going to love you. Well, they got the love part right, the title of love, but that's not love. That's not God. God's love says, I love you, but I got to warn you about the murder that you're about to commit. Listen, that's not, that's not, I didn't say that to shame anybody. It's not to make you feel bad, but it is to prompt you to think about, do you really love Jesus? I want you to close your eyes and bow your heads. If you're here today and you would say, Pastor Cord, I, I need to come back to Jesus. I've never known him before. I want to know him now. I want to leave here today filled with the Holy Ghost. I want to start fresh. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know how to do it, but I'm trusting that what you're telling me is actually in the Word of God. That all I've got to do is trust and believe in the name of Jesus. Repent of my sins and he will make me free right now. That he will write me in the Lamb's book of life. Gang, this is why we're here today. This is what this day is about. This is why we try to eliminate all the frills and all the special programs and Easter egg hunts. And I know there's a ton of people that disagree with me on that, but I'm going to tell you, it's worked 23 years for me. Amen. For 23 years, this has worked. Jesus is enough to be attracted to and to fall in love with. It's not our coffee and it's not our donuts. It's Jesus that we fall in love with. If you're here today, you need to accept Jesus for the first time or you need to come back to him on this Easter morning. I want you to know I'm not gonna bring you up front. 
I'm not going to parade you around. I'm not going to count how many people are saved or, or, or pray this prayer. But as a signification to God and to yourself, will you be bold enough today in a second, not now, but will you be bold enough in just a second to lift your hand and say, yes, I fall into one of those categories. I'm coming to him for the first time or I need to come back to him. I've been playing games. I'm not a worshiper of Jesus. I need a relationship with Jesus today. I don't want you to think about any sin in your life or any of that. I want you simply to think about starting a relationship with God right now. God, the person of the Holy Spirit, will work out every single thing in your life in His timing. So pastor, what does that mean? Do I need to stop doing this today? Do I need to stop doing this today? No. You don't have to stop doing those things today. That's what religion says. But God says, you come to me. We're going to consummate the marriage together. And then guess what? When you walk out of here, you're walking out in a relationship with your Savior. And he will guide you and show you what needs to come out of your life. Not what the preacher says needs to come out of your life. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here this morning and you would say, I'm ready to make that commitment to Jesus, will you just put your hand up real quick and put it right back down? That's it. That's it. Yep. Hands all over the place. Hands all over the place. Yes. Anybody else today? Any other, anybody else? Put your hand up and put it right back down. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else today? Yes, I see you. Now, guess what? That's the first group. Here's the second group. If there's anybody else today that did not raise your hand, don't let that stop you from accepting Jesus right now. See how tricky I just was just then? You can still accept Jesus right now in your heart of hearts through the truth of what you've just heard and you can verbalize with everybody else confessing his name and you can start fresh with him right now, a new relationship right now. And I believe that's many more than the 15 or 20 hands that just went up. Can we pray this prayer together? Boldly, those that already know Jesus. I want you to pray this prayer out loud and support those next to you that have raised their hands, that are ready. And can we confess this with all sincerity? Jesus, you died for me. You were resurrected for me. And I choose to live for you. I give you my life fully. Completely, I am yours. Forgive me of all my sin and set me free. In your holy name I pray. Amen and amen. Come on, let's give the Lord a hand this morning.
Central to be seated for just a few minutes. Ushers, if you would begin the process of giving out the sacraments. Worship team is going to play a song as you guys come up and receive. They will instruct you on what rows to come up. Probably going to start at the back of the church. And when everybody has received uh, the body and the blood of Christ as represented through bread and grape juice, um, then we will come back. You guys will go back to your seats and we will take communion as a family in just a few minutes. In the meantime, let's examine ourselves as we receive, as you come up here, as you wait, as you're seated, as you worship. Let's examine ourselves before God.